You're listening to Marathoning for Millennials, a podcast introducing distance running and the culture that surrounds it to America's favorite generation. Yo, if you came here for premium boomer trash talk, you came to the right place. My name's Dre. I'm the host of this show, and I am a millennial as well as a marathoner. I'm currently training for the Philadelphia Marathon coming up in just under three weeks. This is a return to Philly for me. My very first marathon was the Philadelphia Marathon in 2016, and it's been a a three-year journey of kind of finding myself in the distance and the sport of running as a whole. I would say in the last year, I've made the most progress where I really kind of found myself in what it means to run a marathon. Pretty much done my training cycle, did my last 20-mile run, this past Sunday, so now I'm beginning the taper period. The work's been done. I'm ready to go. Uh, and I just uh, went and bought a new pair of shoes. I was definitely due for it. I'd be running in the same pair of uh, Saucony Freedoms for the last two marathon cycles. Uh, I did Pittsburgh back in May and the Valley Forge Marathon, which I talked about in an earlier episode uh, last month in October. So I trained and ran trained for and ran in those races in those shoes so they were they were definitely done and then training for another marathon on top of that um they usually say the recommended number of miles is like 300 to 400 on a pair of shoes before it's time for the go so i definitely kind of crossed that line and i felt that a little bit my last long run this past sunday towards the end of the run it really just felt like there was nothing left in the shoes my legs felt fine but i just wasn't getting support i needed from the shoes so Took a drive up to the quote-unquote local running company around here, which is really not that local where I live. Got to drive about two counties over to get to a decent running store, either out towards the shore or uh, a little bit up north. So I made the drive up there because I just refused to go to Dick's Sporting Goods to buy sneakers when there is a specialty running store and a really good running store with a much larger selection and people to actually know what they're talking about uh, in just, you know, just about a little less than an hour's drive away. So I made the drive up there, and typically I hate shopping. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that gets in, gets what he needs, doesn't look around all that much, gets out. But when it comes to running shoes, it's a little bit different because I've definitely learned my lesson that there's going to be shoes that are great for everybody, but doesn't mean they're great for you. And there's nothing better than getting to uh, get input from someone who knows the products um, and people that have tested the products and people that just understand what different runners need in different styles. So, you know, I went up to this running company and I just, hey, I'm looking to buy shoes. Let's talk. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I've been running in. This is what I like. And, you know, this is how I tend to run. They, they'll analyze my gait if I want them to. I kind of have an idea of how I, how I run at this point. So I don't need to do that. But, um, you know, I went and I said, listen, I've been running in this shoe. I've been running these Saucony Freedoms for a little while. I kind of want to check out the next model, but I'm also kind of thinking that maybe I should branch out and try something new. I've been running in Saucony's a lot. Uh, My first real pair of running shoes was a Saucony, the Saucony Kinvara 5s. And those always stand out because that was like the first time I ever realized like, oh, wow, the shoe makes a difference. You know, before that, I was running like a pair of Nike free runs I got for 60 bucks at Famous Footwear. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, really all you need is a pair of shoes, but a good pair of shoes just makes such a huge difference. 
And um, I'll always remember those King Bar 5s. I wish I still had them. Uh, I don't really know what happened to them. I think I left them outside one day. And they ended up, I don't know, in the garbage or something. But I miss those shoes. But I've always been running in Saucony. I've tried a couple other brands here and there. Um, so I do like to experiment. And there's so much going on with running shoes in this age right now. And so much um, research and tech and the crazy advancements that are going on that I, I, I you know, I got to branch out. So I went in, I told them I was running in, told them I was interested in what they do. And what most specialty running stores do is they say, okay, well, here's some similar shoes to that. And um, why don't you try all these on? And so I did. I went through about three different pairs of shoes. Actually, the pair of shoes I went in in my head kind of with the goal of trying, they didn't even have my size. So I never got to try the shoes that I wanted to try. But I tried a couple other brands, um, some brands I never really running that much before uh what i had i think i had a pair of brooks had a pair of ons which i'd never tried on before that was definitely a different um different style for me but wasn't wasn't for me but it was interesting they kind of get to know that brand a little bit and then uh pair of mizunos which i owned a pair of mizunos i ran my first marathon in mizunos uh the wave inspires i think they were the 12 or the 13s at that time and those uh those shoes were good but I've recently been more on a um a, a lighter um responsive style shoe. So you know, that's why I really like my Saucony Freedoms. I have 3 pairs of those. So for the last 2 or 3 years I've just been running in those because I like them that much. But I knew I needed to kind of um just check out what else was out there. I ended up going home with a pair of New Balances, which I uh, only had ever worn New Balances once before when I was like 11 years old. And those were like, uh, you know, the, the typical dad shoe, I guess, at the time. You know, New Balance, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't remember them being a running shoe when I was a kid. But now, in the last couple of years, it seems like they've really kind of regained their place. Or maybe I just became more aware. I don't know. But I remember growing up as a kid, New Balance was just like, I don't think they were cool. They were definitely like dad shoes. I feel like growing up in like the early 2000s, the New Balance was like a dad shoe, but I feel like there's been a resurgence. But anyway, I got myself a pair of uh, the Fuel Cells, the Rebels. They're super nice, uh, very light, very responsive. The energy return on those shoes um, are great. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, just, you know, go look into some shoe reviews. Just, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a pair of running shoes right now and you don't know how they were reviewed, what people are saying about them. Just Google that pair of shoes and look at a review. Uh, I think uh, like Running Shoe Guru is the big review company. Running Warehouse does shoe reviews. Uh, Runner's World does shoe reviews. Go check those out. Go read those things. Learn about um, the pair of shoes that you're running in. And if you really love it, then get familiar with what it is that makes you love that shoe so much. Because then you'll you'll become a bit of an educated shopper. And if you can't make it out to a running store, or really the only option you got is uh, Dick's Sporting Goods or some big box store like that, well, at least you go in knowing a little bit of what you want. And that if the whoever's selling you this shoe doesn't know anything, at least you know something. So uh, I definitely recommend that to just take some time and read some shoe reviews. It's super helpful. Like I said before, there's so much going on with shoes right now. It's crazy. But... 
uh, yeah, I love getting a new pair of shoes. It's like freaking Christmas. You want to, you get home and the first thing you want to do is put them on and go for a run. And that's what I did. And I really like them. I don't know if they'll be what I run the marathon in. They're technically not a distance shoe. Um, they are more of a racing flat, but I'm going to do, I got in my taper, I still have, you know, a couple, like an eight mile run, 10 mile run, uh, that I can do. And I'll see how my feet feel with that distance. Um, you know, I may still, I don't know. It's been, it's been a couple of years since I ran a marathon in anything other than my Saucony. So I'm, I, I, it's kind of in the back of the head that I might end up just, uh, buckling down and, and buying another pair of those just to stay in my comfort zone. But, um, we'll see. I'm really excited about these new shoes. It's a, it's a great time and it's the most important piece of equipment you could possibly own aside from your own legs as as far as being a runner goes um anyway let's jump into the topic for today and for those of you that don't know this podcast started out actually as a a, a blog the concept was meant to be a blog that i i, I was going to do on my company's website secondcapitalrunning.com where i just kind of get to share my perspective on the world of distance running as the average runner and uh in my opinion the average millennial and so um i had a couple different ideas for what i would write about but ultimately writing just ended up being not the most convenient way to get information out and uh i don't really read blogs so why should i be writing a blog so i I figure doing a podcast made a little more sense but i had this idea to talk about um this topic of the the rock of the rocky run um, we've talked about Rocky a little bit in podcasts before, and I'm going to t- probably touch on that a little bit too, but, um, where I'm from here in New Jersey, we're, we're relatively close to Philadelphia. And of course, Philadelphia is where the Rocky movies take place. And there's these two kind of iconic races that happen in Philadelphia based off of Rocky. And the, the story behind the two races is very interesting. And I've only participated in one of them. And I have, um, a bit of a love hate relationship with this one race because of um, what it means to me, but also kind of its origins and how it appears to have come about. It's a really interesting story, and um, I always wanted to write about it because I think it's it. other people would find it interesting, and it's kind of a cool thing to get out there because it, it's, it's really exemplary of um, the culture we live in right now both within the context of uh, distance running and, and just within the context of just society as a whole and the way that the world kind of works. So we're going to jump in. It's 545 in the city of brotherly love on Saturday, November 15th, 2014. I wake up in my cousin's Fishtown apartment and it's cold as fuck. My friend and I crack a couple eggs into a glass and shoot them like Jaeger put on the all gray sweats we bought at Walmart last night and head out. It's still cold as fuck, but we've got no time to wait for the car to warm up because we're running our first ever 5k in an hour and we need to be there early because, well, that's what you do, right? We jam out to gonna fly now on repeat on the way, pay 25 bucks for a parking spot that's not nearly close enough and finally reach our destination. The starting line of the inaugural Rocky Balboa run. A whole summer of preparation has brought me to this moment. The soundtrack's booming through the speakers, 
thousands of people in costume, and the pride of having grown up close enough to Philly to get away with saying that I'm from Philly, all pumped me up to do this. I'm going to run like the stallion. So that was a rather dramatic retelling of the morning leading up to my very first 5K that I ever ran uh, in 2014. The Rocky Balboa run kind of popped up out of nowhere on uh, Facebook and Instagram. They were just advertising all over the place. And at that time in the, the you know, the spring and the summer of 2014, I had begun kind of um, dabbling a little bit into the world of, of running and trying that out. You know, before that, I was not a very athletic person, really didn't care about sports at all. And you would never catch me running, um, even in high school. I wouldn't run, you know. And so it was kind of a big deal when I found this race um, because this was something new I was trying. And growing up, I loved Rocky. Uh, I was very passionate about film as a kid. So the Rocky movies are just such a huge part of culture and uh, kind of a landmark uh, point in in the world of, of film and storytelling. So I've always loved those movies. So it was an easy sell for me. Uh, one of my friends had also kind of been running a little bit, so we both decided to kind of do this together. So that helped in uh, motivating me to sign up and, and participate in this race. And it was awesome. You know, your first 5K is, is something you don't ever forget as a runner, I think. And so that race has a very special place in my heart. It was it was a really cool experience. I think most people, probably the first time they ever run in a, in a race, whether it be a 5K or, or whatever they happen to do for their first time, um, a lot of times it tends to be those bigger races. You know, I think there was like 7,000 people in the first year of this race. So uh, it was a whole new world to me. And, you know, what a world to come into to see thousands of people and you know, with the soundtrack playing in the background, that music is just, there's nothing more exciting than listening to that music. Uh, the, the soundtrack from all five mo movies collectively, it's got to be the most hype collection of songs that I can think of. So, you, you know, you're, you're out there and it's, it's middle of November, so it's, it's, God, it's so freaking cold. And that race starts so early. I think it's like 7.30 in the morning for a 5K, which is not really normal. Uh, I didn't realize that going into it, but like that's, you know, 7.30 in the morning to run a 5K is just unnecessarily early. So I remember it really was cold as fuck out there waiting for the race to start. And we did get there obnoxiously early because we didn't know what was going to happen, what to expect. I thought there was going to be like some kind of lineup process or whatever to get into the start. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never run in a race before. So it was such a new world and... uh it's kind of fun recalling back to that and thinking about how green I was then and the excitement that was there. And now here I am five years later. <clears throat> you know, I almost want to say that I wish I could go back and like bottle up that feeling because, you know, you, you only have one first time, I guess, in, in, in that sense. But... But really, you don't. I don't think that feeling ever went away. Of course, it's transformed. It's a little more familiar now. But I still feel that at the start of, of most races. There's still that excitement. There's still... Uh, it's the wonder of the unknown. Because the beauty of sports in general, not, not just running specifically. I think with just about any sport, it's that you, you go in confident. You go in knowing you've done the work. 
and you are as ready as you could possibly be or not ready as you could possibly be. And there's still just that thought that like anything can happen. Going into any race, it's it's that thrill of like, okay, what is what is gonna happen today? Is it gonna be something going wrong or is or am I gonna surprise myself and do way better than I ever expected? And that is the thrill of, of the sport. That's the thrill of of athleticism is is putting the work in and then getting the opportunity to test your body and test what you've been doing over the period of time that you've been training and preparing. That's, um, that's, that's the thrill of it. So I did the run and it was great. I was very proud to just have achieved that and covered that, that new milestone in my life and do something I'd never done before. It was uh, really cool across that finish line right in front of the steps. And uh, even though the race itself, like aside from being in front of the art museum, really has no tie-in to the scene from the movies where he runs. You know, we don't run any part of what he runs in the movies. Uh, but it was still cool. And afterwards, like it wasn't part of the official event, but, you know, you could just cross the finish line and cross over the barricade and run up the steps. So I did that. I got my picture taken in. It was great, you know. Like I said in the in the little narrative intro, there, we wore all gray sweats, and I had the hat on. I had, uh, you know, like the the hand wraps on my hands, so you know, I looked the part. It was really cool, and I did that race again the following two years. You know, I think most people probably always come back to your first five k. I think you should. It's such a good um, kind of check-in point in your life you know a year later what have you been doing where have you progressed what has changed have you gotten better faster have you gotten stronger um you know if running is any type of um any kind of significant part of your life then that's probably something that most people do they always a lot of people tend to come back to their first their first run because of the the attachment you have to that there's a nostalgia there so i you know i ran it the following two years but um, something happened between the second year and the third year that um, changed the nature of the relationship, I guess, to keep the dramatics going. Think, the, the tides had shifted, and, and it and wasn't the same after this point. But um, at this point, I considered myself a pretty avid runner. I was really immersing myself into the lifestyle and the culture, and like most runners do i think i got a subscription to runner's world magazine and there was an article that year about another rocky run that took place in philadelphia it was the rocky 50k and i had no idea what a 50k was at the time and you know now that i think about it uh i don't know if i really had been familiar with ultra running at all at that point maybe i'd seen the term i wasn't totally sure what it was but to put things in the perspective, a 50K is, is a 5K times 10. So 3.1 miles times 10, you got 30, 31 miles is a 50K. And I knew what a marathon was at the time. I knew 26.2 miles. And I was like, oh, wow, that's insane. That, you know, that's a, such an insane distance. I think anybody would run more than that. So that's when, when you hear the term ultra running or ultra marathons, what people are referencing is an ultra 
is anything longer than a marathon. So anything longer than 26 miles. And so, you know, the first major distance after a marathon is typically a 50K, 31 miles, and you've got 50-mile runs, 100-mile runs, and you've got some of the more iconic um, distances in the ultra world, like uh, the Badwater 135, Moab, what's Moab, like 240, I think, um, and, you know, these insane long distances. And that, that for me, when I, when I learned about ultra running, just a little side tangent like that, was like, oh man, I want to do that because the ultra world is like it's it's a completely different world than even the standard road running, you know, average average runner lifestyle. It's it's just so badass, and it's like, and it reminds me of like cowboys or explorers or something. You know, it's 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 just the idea of covering those distances, and and accomplishing the things that these guys accomplish. That's amazing. Anyway, to get back on point, so I read this article about this run called the Rocky 50K, and it was uh, what is called a fat-ass run or an unsanctioned run. And what that means is they're not closing down the streets. It's not a big, fancy production. There's no mile markers. There's no course marshals. There's no course support. Uh, you know, there's not um, all the usual uh, things you see at either your local 5K or even the big 5Ks, the big races. You know, you just show up it's not a race. You're not paying any money. You're just showing up and you're running. And um, the story behind the Rocky 50K was that back in, I think, September of 2013, uh, a guy named uh, Dan McQuaid published an article on uh, for the Philly Magazine about how he had been watching Rocky 2, which is Rocky 2 is the one. So Rocky 1 and 2 both have the iconic like running montage, training montage scene. But Rocky 2, that one is the more, um, that one's a little more well-known. That's the one usually people reference when they talk about that because that's where he does the full tour of Philadelphia. And, you know, he starts from his house on Lambert Street. He's run through, you know, the Italian market, through the train yard, the Navy yard, um, you know, Old City and, you know, back up to the steps. But anyway, he'd been running... He'd been watching, sorry, he'd been watching Rocky 2, and he kind of noticed that the, the route that Rocky was taking made no sense at all from where he was starting to what he was going through to get to the art museum. Like, it was a very convoluted route. So he actually did the research, uh, matched up these these points, these famous landmarks he'd been running by, and uh, and mapped it out. And it turns out that, that, in that if Rocky had really run that route and really done that that run in that part in the movie that he would have ran over 30 miles and um of course that's ridiculous because uh why would a, a boxer need to run 30 miles why would anyone need to run 30 miles at all to train for a, a boxing match or anything like that um but uh but anyway that was a really interesting article he published and then a couple months later a couple people got the idea to actually do that run and run that route. So, so was born the Rocky 50K. And um, I think it was, it was December of, of that year, 2013, they got together. They, you know, they just set a date and the time and said, hey, if you want to run this route, we're going to do it. It's totally free. Just, you know, show up. And I think they got close to like 200 people to show up, all in the gray sweats and the red headband. And they did the run. And it was really cool. And so reading about that article was really was uh was really interesting to me because that just seems so badass that like these people just showed up just to run 30 miles just for fun just to do it you know it wasn't a race it, there was no big prize you didn't get a finisher medal I don't think they gave t-shirts out nothing like that it seemed real badass real grassroots 
And that's the kind of stuff that I'm into. So that was a really cool story. But at the end of the article that I was reading in Runner's World, it talks a little bit about how um, not long after the very first running of the Rocky 50K, um, the, the main person that organized it, I think her name was Rebecca, Rebecca Barber, um, had received a cease and desist from MGM Studios, the studio that owned the rights to the Rocky movies, and said, you know, hey, you can't use that name. You can't, you can't do this run. Um, and she was very lucky to have some people with some legal savvy on her side that helped her um, navigate through the situation and was able to continue to do the run without facing any kind of legal backlash for copyright infringement or anything like that. But, um, but the next year, um, about a month before they were going to do the second running of the Rocky 50K, the Rocky Balboa run happened. Um, MGM Studios partnered with a race production company to create the Rocky Balboa run, a Rocky 5K with, you know, all the official merchandising and licenses, the music, the art, the images, you know, the characters. And it was this massive production uh, that just so happened to occur one month before the Rocky 50K. And, you know, it was announced just a few months after the very first Rocky 50K. So a little bit suspicious considering that MGM Studios was aware that the Rocky 50K was a thing. So reading that, that end note at the end of the article, um, I kind of felt some kind of way. I was like, oh man, my first, this, this race that holds a special place in my heart is just, um, it's just the way of, of the, the, the man sticking it to the little guy. And I was a little bit uh, bummed, a little bit upset. You know, um, I, I guess people would say I'm a bit of a anti-authority type figure, maybe a little bit. So, you know, I, I'm very big on the underdog story. Of course, being a fan of Rocky, how could you not be uh, big on the underdog story? The little guy taking on the big, the big machine. And, um, and I'm, I'm very much, I feel kind of strongly about the way that big corporate entities kind of shut down these these smaller um groups businesses people whatever whatever you may have uh that that have a lot of heart and passion for something and and kind of get drowned out by the uh the generic big box brand companies so i was i was pretty bummed needless to say i was pretty bummed to find out that um this this race had some ties to kind of trying to shut down uh, something really cool. So going into 2016 in what will be, you know, the third year of, um, my running journey, but also the third year of the race, uh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit weary. Uh, I don't really know what to think. Uh, it's, is it really that big a deal? Who cares? I don't know, but I sign up anyway for the Rocky run again, because you know, as being someone that ran the first one, I, I, I'm in the email list and I get the early access registration. And each year the price had gone up and I, I had noticed that. So I was already kind of like, ah, oh, geez, this is getting kind of expensive. Having run quite a few 5Ks and different runs at this point, I was just, I kind of, you know, you, you, you learn like what is the standard price for certain distances and when something is a little bit expensive. So this race had definitely gotten pretty expensive. 
But, uh, you know, again, it was, it was a very special event in my life and I, I did love doing the run. And so I did it again and it worked out cause it was kind of, 2016 was the year I decided I was going to run my first marathon also. So it lined up that the Rocky 5k was two weeks before Philadelphia marathon, which was what I was doing. And so it was going to be just kind of like a nice tune up race. My last little speed run before I started to taper off from a marathon. So it kind of lined up with that. And, um, you know, I was still excited to do that. But, uh, you know, the time came and I ran the race. And I think I kind of just, my my perspective had changed a little bit. You know, I'd been in the running world for a few years now. And I really had kind of really dived into it and got familiar with a lot of things. And I started just to kind of notice, um, <clears throat> I don't know, some of the not as appealing aspects of this event in particular, you know, uh, the, of course, the price, um, but, you know, the day of the, the, the race, the third year, uh, I was just kind of not as into everything. I, it just, it all started to appear so corporate to me. The veil had been lifted and I realized what the race was. It was just a cash grab. It was just a way for the studio to monopolize on something so that someone else couldn't. And, um, you know, you see all the different shirts that they're selling and the merchandise and, um, it just, yeah, I guess I just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth that year, but, uh, you know, I ran it and it was great and I PR'd in my 5k. I got a best time in the 5k and each year consistently that was, that's, you know, I guess part of the excitement was that, you know, in my second year I'd run significantly faster than my first year and then my third year I ran significantly faster than the year before that. So I've been improving. And so that was just a great benchmark moment. You know, that's why tying back into coming back to your first 5k is a great way to kind of see how far you've come. And it is a, it's a very fast course. It's very flat. But at the end of it, I was just kind of like, yeah, now I'm kind of over this. I think in a way I had kind of grown out of it. Um, it, I was just, I wanted something different, something more, um, real I guess is the word I'm looking for this was it didn't feel real anymore it was exciting it was cool uh of course it was it, it was built heavily on the hype but it just didn't have the same feel as it used to and compared to now these smaller more um grassroots genuine events races you could tell were put on by runners that care about runners and not about making money you know so uh, after that, I decided, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on this. I'm not going to run it anymore. And so I didn't. <clears throat> At least I did it in 2017. In 2018, um, my girlfriend at the time really wanted to run a 5K. And of course, like everybody else in the area, the Rocky Balboa run was the one. That was the 5K to run. Oh, you're going you're gonna to do a run? You got to do the Rocky run. It's so cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, so she wanted to do that. I was a little apprehensive because of, you know, well, you know the story. And, um, but, you know, she wanted to do it, so we did it. I signed us both up. Uh, it cost $45 each, 90 bucks out of pocket for two people to do a 5K. And now it's just like, oh, that's, that's just, that is, it put things in perspective. That is expensive for something that's going to take less than half an hour to accomplish, you know. Um, it's the, 
that, and then you've got the, the what it costs to get out to Philly, whether you're taking the train, whether you're crossing the bridge and paying for parking. Um, it adds up, and so that was a little frustrating. And what got me, here's what got me, and I'm not trying to trash talk this event at all. I guess I'm just trying to educate people into, I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to educate people a little bit, your listeners, about um, the, the, the world of running and race production and just kind of, uh, you know, buyer beware, I guess, a little bit. I don't know. But um, what I noticed when I was, when I was signing up in that, that year for the 2018 race was I looked at, you know, I looked at some of the fees and, and costs associated. And in there is a venue fee. It was like, I don't know, maybe two or three dollars. But uh, a venue fee, that's not something you, you pay for, not the runner, not directly anyway, like the, the venue fees is essentially whatever it costs to host the event in the city or the municipality or the location you're, you're putting it in. It's just like, it was pretty bold of them to just throw that in there. Like, Hey, by the way, help us pay for what it costs to do this. Like that doesn't, that shouldn't reflect on the runner. That should be, that was a fee added on to the cost already. So it's $45 plus the processing fee, plus the venue fee. It's just like, you don't make your runners pay that. And that, that got me a little bit pissed off that they would do that. But um, anyway, you know, I was doing it for somebody else. And ironically enough, by the time November came around, uh, we weren't even together. So I had spent 90 bucks on this race that I didn't really want to do. And so I did it anyway, because they, I mean, someone's got to do it. Uh, and um, I went in with a, with a pretty negative mindset, not feeling excited at all about it, just didn't want to do it, and it's like, man, I can't believe I'm feeding into the machine again, this is just not cool, it just wasn't cool, I guess, is, is where I was in my head, but then I got there, and you hear the music playing, and, you know, it's, it stirs up that emotion, just like when you watch the movie, you know, if, if Rocky's ever on TV and I'm scrolling through the channels and I come across that, like, it's over. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm watching it because, uh, you know, that emotion attached to the movie and, you know, the, the nostalgia of the characters and the music is just, uh, it's, it's so much fun. So I get out there and I, I start to feel a little good. I'm like, yeah, you know. I do, I do kind of enjoy this a little bit, maybe just a little bit. I, I felt a little guilty that I was enjoying it. And I ran and uh, of course I PR'd again. I, I, I did my best in the 5k and, uh, you know, I was just so torn. I was like, gosh, you know, I, I don't like that I'm enjoying this. I don't like that I'm having fun here and I don't like I'm happy about this, but I just got to a point after after that, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? You like what you like. And they're not hurting anybody. They're not ruining anybody's lives. The Rocky 50K still happens every December. And, you know, they get a great turnout. It grows every year. They're doing really well. It's, you know, and it's not about the money at all. They're not making any money at all. All that they do um, is as cool as that they collect shoes uh, like use shoes to donate to Back on My Feet, which is uh, a really cool charity based in Philadelphia that um, it's an advocacy group for people who are of uh, really low income, but typically uh, homeless or were homeless at one point. People struggling to 
get back to normal life. And this advocacy group, this, this charity helps people do that through providing them with clothing, providing them with access to resources to get jobs or to learn how to put a resume together, things like that. It's a really great charity. And so from the very beginning, the Rocky 50K has been collecting shoes at the event every year. And um, I looked it up and I think this is an accurate current um, standing, but they've raised over $3,000 so far through those shoe donations for Back on My Feet. So that is really cool. So they're still doing great things and it hasn't served to stop them at all. If anything, it maybe has helped them. And that's why I guess I I want to tell the story is to kind of highlight this really cool thing that they're doing despite efforts to be stopped or to be silenced or shut down or whatever, you know. Um, And maybe these people that, that run the Rocky 50K don't view it like that at all. Maybe they don't even think about the Rocky run um, I imagine none of them have probably ever run it because, you know, it's, it, it, it's definitely got to be a little bit touchy, but you know, they're still doing their thing and it's, and it's really cool. So, um, yeah, I guess I just kind of came to the realization. It's just like, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. If you want the Rocky 5k to be your, your first 5k, then go for it. But, um, if, this is a lifestyle that you think you might want to live out or you want the running culture to kind of be incorporated into your world a little bit. Um, I think it's just going to be a natural progression where you start to discover these other things um, and what the, the real roots of the community and the culture. And that's really in, in what's going on locally, not in the big productions, but in the smaller scale productions, the real grassroots stuff of the, the true runners the true um, move makers within that world, you know, the, the people, the studio and the company that produced the Rocky 5k, um, they're there to make money and there's nothing wrong with that, but they don't, they don't really have that connection to Philly the way the Rocky 50k does. They don't really have the connection to the runners. They couldn't with over almost 15,000 people running these events now, like how could you have any type of connection to these people? So, um, it's uh, it's just, I think, a natural progression that you'll start to look more and more into things. And I think you will fall in love with these smaller productions, these more um, passionate um, underground, so to speak. Not underground. Underground is not a good word. You'll fall in love with the more community-based grassroots type uh, events and, and uh, running engagements. And um, that's just where the culture lies. I'm happy to be able to tell that story. Uh, It's not like I'm the first one to tell the story, but it's just something I wanted. I hear people talk about this run all the time. And um, actually, at the start of this episode, when I was just recording this, it was um, like a couple days before the Rocky Balboa run. And now... Um, it's a couple days afterwards, the race has happened and, uh, you know, I've seen some posts, I've seen some people that I know that ran in the race and really had a lot of fun and enjoyed it and did really well. And that's a win. You know, you can't beat that. That's at the end of the day, it's still a race. It's still part of what we love to do and it's exciting. And so, um, it's not like I'm trying to make anyone feel bad about it. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I think like if you like something, you like something. Um, you know, I 
used to think Bon Jovi was my guilty pleasure. Until one day I was like, no, I don't feel bad about liking Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's fun. Is it a little corny? Yeah. But it's Bon Jovi. And I get hype as shit when Bon Jovi comes on the radio. So that's just an example of, of guilty pleasures. You like the Rocky Run. It's fun. You don't mind the, paying the money because you really enjoy the experience. Then good. Then keep enjoying that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but, you know, there's a whole world out there. And the the point of this podcast is to introduce running culture. I threw a, a few different links in the description of this uh, episode. Uh, one of them being the website to the Rocky 50K. The 2019 running of the 50K is going to be on December 7th. So if you're feeling spry and you're on the take on a, a free Urban Ultra, I would encourage you guys to check that out. It is on my list of things that I would like to do one day. And um, it doesn't look like this year would be the year just because after Philly, I really plan on taking a considerable off-season break in my training. So maybe I'll look to next year, 2020, for the 50K. But I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, I also threw a link in there. We talked a little bit about ultra running. So I threw a link in there that just kind of further explains what that is. At this point, when this episode airs, we are just a little over a week out from Philly. Holy cow, a week. Wow. Can you believe that? Okay. So yeah, so we're just a little over a week out from Philly. Run Violent Crew has been... Uh, doing this campaign called No Sleep Till Philly. We're all working towards the same goal. And um, so there'll be lots of coverage on that on our respective social media on Instagram at Run Violent Crew and at Second Capital Running on Facebook, Second Capital Running and secondcapitalrunning.com. It's all got the information on that and you can get live updates on how everyone's training has been going as well as how the races will go for us. Um, If anybody is curious... I do this thing for every marathon I do. I make a playlist, and I've had one for every single one. It's always very um, specifically coordinated and curated to match like different points in the run and what I think I'll be feeling and what I think I'll, I'll be needing music-wise. You know, I'm a very um, musical person, so it's it's it it definitely drives me in different ways. So if anyone's curious about that, I also threw a link to my Spotify account. And in there, you can see what my playlist for the Philly Marathon is going to be. Um, it's actually the original playlist from my very first Philly Marathon. I've just made a couple little adjustments to account for the fact that I plan on being much faster than I was three years ago. But that's just like an interesting little bit. If you're curious, you can also see some of the playlists I made for other races. Um, that's really all I use Spotify for is making playlists for my runs. Uh, anyway, that's it for uh, this episode, guys. Uh, next one will be the panel for Philadelphia Marathon, following Philadelphia Marathon. Uh, I'll finally get the Run Violent crew together, most of them, in one room to talk about how the race went and to talk about their individual experiences uh, without any interference from telephones or whatever other BS seems to be plaguing these interviews. So I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Thanks a lot.